Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and workers' stories. The Big Steps program for equal pay for early childhood educators took to the streets on Saturday, May the 14th to let the public know how underpaid and how important early childhood educators are. More about that later in the program. First up, though, how the National Union of Workers is going into bat for those workers who approach you on the street asking for donations for leading charities. Most of these people are being employed under sham contracting arrangements and the NUW is on the case. I spoke to Tim Gunstone, a national lead organiser at the National Union of Workers, to understand what's going on. Now, we've had word that uh, the NUW is uh, keen to organise the people who, go, who stand at the corners and uh, ask you if you want to yeah, donate. So, yeah, face-to-face fundraisers is how they're known, and the ones that we're particularly um, concerned about uh, and the workers' rights of are um, the vast majority of the industry, better than 95%, are actually people that do it on a contract basis and they work for for for-profit companies doing that fundraising. So when you see someone wearing a Oxfam T-shirt, it's uh, most likely that they're not actually volunteering for or working for Oxfam. Oh, really? They're actually working for a third-party company that is a for-profit sales and marketing company. Well, that's probably Uh, news to most people. It is indeed news to most people, and that is one part of this. The part we're most concerned about is those sales and marketing companies, a majority of them engage people as sham contractors. So what that means is people who are, by any moral or legal test employees, are told when they apply for work that they need to get an ABN, an Australian business number. They're given the paperwork to show them how to get the ABN. And they're then told that they're an independent contractor. So that means a couple of very important things in terms of workers' rights. The first is that they're only paid on commission basis. So if they don't make any sales, if they don't um, acquire any regular donors, they don't make any money. So we've spoken to people that have earned as little as $270 for 80 hours of work. The second thing is that the sales and marketing company that's making huge profits off engaging these people and off Australians' generosity in relation to giving to charities. They don't provide work cover to these people, so if they get injured, that's their own problem. They don't pay them superannuation. So that's our primary interest. There's another greater good issue here, which is that a lot of people who are told that they're an independent contractor but end up making way below the minimum wage, they don't declare their pay, they don't pay any tax and so the flow-on effects from this are very significant. So we've been working in this sector for several years now. So did uh, uh, people come to you or did you just suss it out? Like, I mean, I just find them a really unpleasant sort of uh, experience as you walk down the street. I mean, I feel sorry for them because it's a horrible job, but uh, it's not really a job, is it? Well, I mean, that's the difficult thing, is it actually is a job for people. And so, um, look, that, to answer your question firstly, that yes, we, we have had members for um, 
many years, a small number of members for many years who were engaged in doing this. One of the unions that amalgamated into being the NUW was the Commercial Travellers Guild. Oh, right, yeah. Which is you know, travelling salespeople, among other things. So we've had a small a handful of membership for a long time. It became apparent to me a couple of years ago what was happening here. And so we started campaigning more heavily in the sector. And so we've seen... Uh, so what, did in... you go down and talk to them? Absolutely, that we have um, um, organisers on the street in Melbourne and Sydney regularly going mm. out mm. and finding these people and speaking to them because many of them are young people who don't know their rights at work. They don't, they've been told by their employer that they're an independent contractor. And so they want a job, so they fill in the form and they do that. So well, of course they do. What we're seeing is widespread wage theft as a result of that, but we're also seeing part of that broader issue that affects most areas of Australian employment, and that is the shifting of risk from employers to employees. That's right, yeah. Um, so the profits that are being made by these marketing companies who are raising money on behalf of charities are in the tens of millions of dollars a year. Have you got any idea how much actually goes to the charity? I know this is quite a, a bit of a diversion from the what we're actually talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So what happens generally is that the person doing the fundraising, so what they're doing is acquiring what they call um, regular donors. So they only want to sign people up for monthly donations. You generally can't yeah, give right. a, a one-off donation. They want to sign you up for, let's say, $30 a month to give to a charity. That's right. And they take down people's names and addresses. Well, they take down people's bank details on an iPad. So they sign you up <laughs> by credit card or debit card on the spot to start regular giving. And so what generally happens is that the first month, sometimes the first two months, but normally the first month of your giving goes to that face-to-face -face fundraiser who spoke to you in the street or at your house. Right. Then the next nine to 12 months, of your regular giving goes to the for-profit sales and marketing company who are doing this work on behalf of the charity. And then if you give for more than 12 months, a cent goes to the charity. Oh my God. Now why do charities do this? Well, they do it because on average people give for about three and a half years. They do it because charities' primary work is to do charitable good, not to do fundraising. All of that is reasonable to my mind. The two things that are primarily unreasonable here is that workers are exploited in charities' names doing this work and that it's not transparent what's going on here. Your reaction of, oh, my God, is the most common reaction of anyone I speak to about this. And I think that charities that rely on their good name to raise money need to be working to very high standards. So that leads us to where the NUW's campaign is at currently. We've been working with... Uh, a number of charities and the regulatory body, which is called the Professional Fundraising Regulatory Association, the PFRA, for about a year now, saying to them that, look, we understand that, that this is something that charities rely on for income. Whatever my personal views of outsourcing might be, I understand that's what charities are doing and it's not going back in-house any point soon. So we need to make sure this is lawful and ethical in terms of employment of people. What's been terribly frustrating is that we've been resisted very heavily in terms of engaging on this. We've had the PFRA suggest to us and to their members that sham contracting might in fact be lawful. Oh my goodness. Now, and this is in a context where a company called Australian Sales and Promotions, 
based in Richmond in Melbourne, uh, have been prosecuted several times by the Fair Work Ombudsman. So this particular company that's been prosecuted several times was allowed to join this body, the Professional Fundraising Regulatory Association. So they have charities and these for-profit sales and marketing companies as members. Now, when I sat down and met with the PFRA last year and said to them, well, hang on, how can you admit someone as a member who's been successfully prosecuted for engaging people as sham contractors? And they really didn't have much to say except some to my mind, weasel words about, well, we're better off hanging them inside the tent than outside the tent. Oh, my goodness. When I asked them what they were doing to ensure that future employment was done lawfully by Australian Sales and Promotions and other companies, they said they didn't think that's what their charity members wanted them to be doing as a priority. So in the last couple of months, there was a large article that ran in The Australian in March uh, exposing systematic long-standing underpayments at a contract for profit call center that was doing that only does charity fundraising in Sydney and that also touched on this issue of face-to-face fundraising being done in ways that are unethical and unlawful and we're talking about perhaps 300,000 new monthly donors that are required each year by these face-to-face fundraisers so it's huge business the union's interest is that that be done in a way that protects workers' rights and is lawful and ethical. So what are you doing? What are you going to do about it? I'm currently in discussions um, with um, three charities about them entering into agreements that say that fundraising, whether they do it themselves or whether they get it done by a third party, has to meet minimum lawful standards and has to provide basic union rights. Mm. So you're, like you're going to... a lot. You're you're going to the chain of. Uh, it, I mean, if it was agricultural, you'd be going up the food chain to the consumer. That is exactly yeah. right. So in the same way that our fair food campaign at the NUW is looking to apply maximum leverage on the Coles and Woolworths of the world, because ultimately they're the controllers of what happens here. Yeah. We're looking to exert leverage at a charity level because they're the ones that have control every day new sales and marketing companies spring up for us to approach them individually and look to do agreements to regulate this would be never-ending what we have at the moment is some i'm so tempted but i won't name the charity we've had a charity come back to us this week saying this after a month of discussions saying that actually they don't think there's a problem here they think that it's all okay now i've written to them saying here are the reasons i think you ought to reconsider that And I was very clear in that letter that 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 charity, who say there's no problem here, are currently engaging uh, a company that use sham contractors only and people are wearing those T-shirts. So the NUW is not going to give up on this. We're talking about thousands of predominantly young people, many of them travellers, who are every year being exploited and ripped off Yeah, but also the people who are actually giving the money are being ripped off too. And it seems to me that ultimately, I mean, you're not going to name this company, but uh, this uh, charity, but ultimately it would lead to boycotts, wouldn't it? Well, look, uh, that's where I don't want to go, to be honest. And and that's one of the things that's been terribly frustrating and one of the reasons that I've spent a year engaging with charities and with their professional body is that I actually think that the work of these charities is really important. I actually think the idea that that some money 
I think the first year is too much personally, but that some money stops with the fundraiser and the company employing them is reasonable. Yep, if if they're honest about it. They pay money for tele-ads, they pay money for direct mail-outs. Every form of fundraising costs money to do. Yep. However, what I find terribly frustrating is that the NUW bending over backwards to try and resolve this without trashing charities' names has so far met with very little acceptance from those charities. And so we're making not it very increasingly charitable. clear. Well, no, it's not. And, and we're making it very clear that if we can't resolve this through respectful dialogue, we'll resolve this through the campaigning that we're known to do very well as a union. Uh, so, you know, this is something that I hope we can progress. It's been sort of a couple of steps forwards, one step back recently, but the bottom line is this is a large sector. It is work that is important, but it's work that at the moment is being done involving systematic sham contracting and systematic wage theft. So, so one of the things I'd encourage anyone listening to the show yep. who works as a fundraiser or knows anyone that works as a fundraiser, if they can contact the NUW, and if you just Google us, you'll be able to find us easily enough. We're building a register of the stories of people who've worked for these fundraisers, which is really helping us make the case. So that example of someone that we spoke to last week who'd put in two weeks of work, a fortnight yeah. of work, 80 hours, and received $270 pay. And, and they're outside. In, I mean, you can tell it's a really shocking job. Work. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine approaching people, particularly in, yeah. in town, who are just shying away from you. Yeah. Um, and so the fact that those people, many of them, are not getting a fair day's pay for a fair day's work and the charities are turning a blind eye because this is being done by a third party. To be honest, some of the communications we've received from charities are exactly the same as the sorts of communications we get from Coles and Woolworths when we raise supply chain issues with them. When we were running our Biata campaign in Laverton in 2011 and we had the head of corporate affairs at Coles telling us to basically bugger off, it's not their problem, it's a third party. Yeah, or that it's a third party and we told them to do the right thing. And so nothing to do with us now. The fact that we're getting the same messages from charities, many of them charities that trade on this idea that companies should have ethical supply chains. And yet when it comes to their own backyard, their own supply chains, seem much more concerned with income than workers' rights is something that surprises me. And as I say, we've sort of, we're really putting some ultimatums back to both that professional body, the PFRA, and to a number of charities at the moment, in fact, all charity members of it, saying that if we can't sit down and have constructive dialogue to resolve this, we will keep campaigning publicly to resolve this, and we believe we can, but it's going to be much messier and a much greater reputational pain to them. You're listening to Stick Together, Union News and Workers' Stories, made at 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. On May the 14th, early childhood educators spat the dummy over their $20 an hour pay rate. Stick Together was at their rally on the city square in Melbourne. So educators are um, undervalued by um, the government, so the base wage for an educator is $20 an hour, which is not acceptable for the professional work that we do um, when you compare to other teachers in education, we're paid a third less than them and education for the younger years is just as important as any other level. Yeah, so Big Steps is about getting out there and being recognised by the government and society about the important work that educators in the early years do. 
Now this has been uh, supported by the Trade Talk Council, uh, so what's your union? Uh, we're part of United Voice Union, which represent the early childhood educators, for which I am one. I think it's about time for us to um, stand up for our rights and uh, for us to be recognised for the job that we've done in the industry. Do you think that uh, the low pay it might be because it's a predominantly female industry? It could be. It could be. And I think morely because we are not recognised in the industry. So what sort of work do you do? I'm a um, group leader, educator, senior educator in one of the good started learning. And I travel like more than six hours to come here for the rally today. And I do social inclusion program as well for our centre. And, uh, and it's for little kids, huh? Yeah. And I run the two and a half to three years old, so it's a bigger two, which they challenges us. But it's amazing working with the little ones because yeah. they think they can be us. So it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're really important in, in uh, kids growing. Yes. To me, I count ourselves as uh, we are the first teachers when it comes to little ones learning. Because most of us, especially in the baby's room, maybe they were the first one to uh, verbalise themselves with the educators in the room. Now, you work for a commercial outfit? I work for a long day care, which is a good start. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I've been there. This is my third year being in the industry. And I love it. It's been enjoyable. And have you had done training? I did training for uh, two straight years. I switched career from uh, being a, a clerk to come and come into this industry which, which is, is much more interesting passion. yeah it's much more interesting yeah so uh, but being part of a clerical union I guess would prepare you for uh, the need to be part of a union in this area well yeah 100 percent 100 percent because for me it wouldn't be if it wasn't important for me I wouldn't be here today but I come on my own with my hubby's support, which I'm really grateful for him, because he's willing to drive me all the way from there to here just for this. And, um, yeah, for me, I'm really proud of the union, and I'm really proud of our work and what we've done so far. Yeah. has to be recognised. Look, my, I'm, I have a bachelor of um, teaching, and my sister works in retail, and we're on the same wage. That's... The equality there is not right. Yeah. So I'm here today to stand up for all educators across Australia. Yeah, thank you. We're actually supporting our daughter, who's a child, um, child educator, yeah. So we think, yes, they do a fantastic job. Are you a bit disappointed that her pay rate is so low? Yes, I am very disappointed because of the job. Because quali- a lot of them are qualified and I think they should be paid accordingly as well. They work long hours and they put in so much effort... Yeah, I think that they should be, yeah, it's very low for what they do, for the job that they do. You tell me, why are we here? We want equal pay. Do we think that you are worth more than $20 an hour? Are you worth more? Why, yes, you are. So I'm going to start off by introducing Jo Schofield. She's the National Secretary of your union, United Voice. Hi everyone, it's so great to be here with you today and it's fantastic to see so many educators supported by trade unions, by families and by the communities who value the important work that you do every day. 
and I am especially proud to be here and stand with you and to uh, be with you on the journey in the fight for equal pay for early childhood educators. It's no coincidence that we are here in Melbourne because it's here in Melbourne in 1913 that the fight for equal pay began. And it was taken up a notch in 1969 when Zelda DiPano chained herself to the Commonwealth Building. And it was taken up a notch a few weeks uh, ago when early childhood educators did the same thing. And we're here to say that it's not over. The fight for equal pay is not over. And we will be here every step of the way until early childhood educators have equal pay and the recognition that they deserve. that we're jo joined by so many families and supporters in, in this struggle. But we're also joined by Brendan O'Connor, who's the Labor Shadow Minister for Employment and Workplace Relations. Brendan is here today representing the Leader of the Opposition, Bill Shorten. And last week, in his budget surprise speech, Bill Shorten pledged to end the gender pay gap in early education. And we commend him for making that commitment to the early education sector. So I'd like to welcome Brendan here today to tell us more about how a Labor government would move to end the gender pay gap in Australia and bring equal pay to early educators. Thank you. I'm here on behalf of Bill Shorten and Labor to make it very, very clear that you can have growth with fairness in this country that you can redress inequality, that you can fight for people's rights at work, and you can only do that with an election of a Labor government. <laughs> Bill Shorten's in Brisbane today addressing a crowd about our plans for an education system that's fair for all, all students, all children in this country. And we know without a good education system, we're not going to make sure that every child in this country has an opportunity to choose what they want to do in life. But of course, what's also important, when those children go on, perhaps to tertiary education or vocational training, and into the labour market, what's also important is people are treated equally under the law. And what we know is that wage inequality is something that needs to be fixed. What we know is dealing with wage inequality is unfinished business for Labor. Today, on behalf of Federal Labor, I'd like to make it very clear that we will join United Voice, if elected, and make submissions to the Fair Work Commission in support of, of wage equality for early childhood educators. Yeah. Inequality in Australia is at a 75-year high. That's why Federal Labor made a submission to the Fair Work Commission to make sure we protect the minimum wage and make sure it does not decline. That's why we made a submission 
to the Fair Work Commission for the first time ever to support penalty rates not being cut for low-paid workers. And that's why, if elected, a Labor government will make a submission into the current Fair Work Review to support the current penalty rates and oppose any cuts to penalty rates for low-paid workers in this country. Some of the issues we have to deal with, friends, can't be, can't be fixed overnight. We need to have a shorter, medium-term and long-term plan to deal with some of these issues. And again, I'd like to make clear, I spoke to Bill about this, Upon election, we'll establish a prime ministerial task force that will look at inequality, look at its causes, look at its consequences, and seek to redress those. So we'll be making a submission to the Fair Work Commission. We'll be establishing a task force to look at the entrenched inequality. Too long now, women that have worked in our labour market have been discriminated. Too long now, Professions that predominantly employ women have been treated differently insofar as their pay just because they're women. And that has to stop. If you looked across the Melbourne City Square past the rally of early childhood educators on May the 14th, you would have seen a pop-up camp of homeless people who, after a virulent attack, on the presence of homeless people in the city in the Sun-Herald earlier in the week, have decided there is safety in numbers and it is important to get their voices heard. I took the opportunity to talk to them about why they had set up the camp. So you've decided after the Sun-Herald article that uh, you're going to set up camp and be very obvious? Um, Yeah, well, why not? Um, They won't let us stay anywhere else in the city. Every time we go to try and lay down and sleep, they move us on. So we decided, oh well, let's make a stand and we'll say, give us somewhere to go. So we're going to sit here and we're going to wait until they give us somewhere to go. Now, the thing is that being homeless is, uh, it takes a while to become homeless or no time at all. Uh, no, it can happen in two, two shakes of a lamb's tail. I've had so many people from the public that I've talked to say to me, they're only one paycheck away from being homeless themselves. Um, the state of public housing, not good. Uh, no, definitely not. Um, they're like 22,000 beds short or something, and that's why we're all stuck here in the city. So they need to give us a couple of warehouses or something and maybe a building in the city to use, especially over winter, because I'm sick of seeing every winter. I've been doing this now for about 15 years. I'm sick of every winter seeing members of the family dying purely because they're cold. No, it is a family, isn't it, by this stage? Because all humans make connections and you guys as homeless people make connections. Yeah, that's right. Well, we eat together, we live together, we sleep together. Do you know what I mean? It's our family. We look after each other. We look after each other's mental health. If some, we know if something's wrong with somebody, if something's wrong with one of us, and we get it sorted. If no one else would care, no one else would notice because no one else speaks to members of our family because we're seen as outcasts. That's it for Stick Together today. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Tim Gunston, members of the United Voice, Brendan O'Connor and members of the Homeless Persons Camp for talking to us today. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. 
The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. My name's Annie. Catch you next time.